Alrighty, we are set to go. We hope you are as well. Uh, John Scholes here, along with my good pal and co-host, Lior Samfiru, ready to take your calls. Lior, co-founding partner, Samfiru, Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. How do you get a hold of when we're not doing the show? It's simple, one 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca as well. And I'll give you a website you can use anytime with lots of employment law knowledge on there. It's free. It's anonymous. You want to use it. And you'll also be provided through that website with the severance calculator. Can be found at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Today on the show, we're talking about things you should never, ever do without calling Lior first. And a little reminder, I'm not yelling at you, but uh, you, yes, you, I'm talking about you, our good listener. You guys have been quiet lately. We have open lines. I know you got questions. Don't be bashful. Bring it on. There's one way to get answers quickly right here during this hour. So feel free, toll free to call us now. Lines are open. 1-877-399-9898. And we'll get you on the air and we'll talk to you. It is just that simple. But we always start off with the uh, the week that was. My brother, what's going on? Johnny, Johnny, I am here and ready. And you're right. We want our listeners to hit us up with their calls, with their questions, with their issues. Because... You know, it's not every day that you have the opportunity to just feel better, to understand, to inform yourself of your rights, and to maybe have a better start to the week than maybe the end of the week was, because uh, you're going to know what to do and say if your boss told you, you have to decide by Monday. Well, do you have to decide, decide on what, what to do, or, or you know, do you sign something, do you not? Whatever the workplace issue is, I promise you there are solutions. There's ways to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And a good place to start with is calling us right now on the show so I can tell you what you need to do. Think about me as your, your, your personal consultant for the next hour. Take advantage of that. Uh, you know, workplace, sometimes for many people, things go well and everything's great. But there's going to be those times, unfortunately, where wait a second, I don't know if this is right, or right. my gosh, the rug was pulled out from under me. I just lost my job. If that's you, you know what to do. You call us on the show. I'll tell you what, uh, what the law says and what you can do about it. And of course, the next step after that, if you want it, you can reach me in the office so we can have a private chat and I can roll up my sleeves and get to work for you. And again, we'll give you that information throughout the show. But to get us all ready and warmed up, let me tell you about a couple situations that crossed my desk over the past week. So first matter I'll tell you about involved the gentleman who had uh, recently lost his job. Now, he had worked for an employer for about two months. Uh, and frankly, both him and his employer realized after a couple of months that, yeah, you know what? It wasn't the best fit. It just wasn't right. It wasn't anything bad. Nothing uh, terrible sure. happened. It just mm-hmm. wasn't fit. And his employer let him go after a couple of months. And... But they made it very clear since he's in his probationary period. That's what they said. They don't have to pay him anything. They wished him all the best and and off he went. And he actually felt that that was probably okay. He called me though because he's a smart guy and he wanted to just make sure that there's nothing he's missing. So here's the thing. First of all, he actually wasn't on probation. Why? Because his employment agreement never actually said that. Remember, probation is not automatic. You're only on probation when you start a new job if you sign an employment agreement that explicitly says you are on probation at the beginning of employment. He did not. His employment agreement did not say that. So he wasn't on probation. That means that, yes, he was owed severance even after working for a couple of months. For him, it was probably about three months severance. And, John, three months severance even though he only worked there for two months. So perfectly fine. Mm. 
And you would think this is kind of where the story ends, but actually this is where it got interesting. In talking to him, I also found out that he was recruited away from another company. Oh, boy. He had worked for another company for about 13 years, and he was recruited by this company through a headhunter. And, of course, two months later, he was let go. Well, wait a second. In a situation where you're recruited by a company, you're not looking to leave. You're recruited. And then they let you go. You're owed enhanced severance that recognizes your time with the previous company. So for this guy, even though he only worked for two months, because he was recruited from another job, we call this inducement. Mm -hmm. Because of this inducement, he was owed actually about a year's severance, 12 months of severance. Again, he only worked there for two months. So he was pretty shocked to hear this, and I'm going to help him over the next uh, few days to get that severance. But there's an important reminder there, a couple of reminders for everyone. Number one is just because you work for a short period of time, doesn't mean you don't get severance. Of course you get severance. And by the way, you're not on probation unless you you sign something. And of course, if you're recruited from another job, only to then be let go, you're going to be owed that much more severance. So that is why it is so, so important to get that legal advice if you lost your job. He went from getting nothing to now he's going to be getting about a year's pay. That's a huge deal, John. No kidding. That's a lot of a lot of cash for sure. Luckily, he he got in touch with you. You know, it's interesting too, though, that if uh, in another scenario, for instance, you're uh, it's you, Rye, or this particular person, you know, they they have a job for a dozen years or so. They get recruited, induced to leave and go to another job. If that that employer with their new employment agreement has a uh, three month probation clause in there, should you not? say no. I mean, that's the reason why they brought you over. Why would you go on probation for leaving a secure job if they pulled you over in the first place? No? Exactly. First of all, if you're leaving a secure job because someone is telling you, no, no, you have to come work for us. We want you. Well, if they Mm. want you so bad, then why are they putting you on probation? (laughs) And, And if you're leaving a secure job, why would you do so just to be on probation with a new employer? It's perfectly appropriate to say to the employer, uh, please take out that probationary term out of my employment agreement. In the vast majority of cases, the employer is going to say, sure, no problem. And that's very important because if you lose your job, then you still get severance. So if you can avoid being on probation, you absolutely should. Yeah, the scary thing is, though, if you were to walk down the street and ask a thousand people saying, hey, you just started a job or you've done the probation period, they wouldn't bat an eye. They just assume everybody's on probation when they start a new gig. doesn't matter what it is, right? Huge misconception. Everyone believes, yeah. or a lot of people believe, the first three months is automatic probation. It's right. not automatic. It doesn't exist. You're not on probation unless you sign something that specifically says so. Always learning stuff. Toll free, by the way, to call in now, one 399 Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about, Paolo? We're moving into our topic. What do you say? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in a good mood. Let's talk about another right. situation that came, cool. came across my desk. Uh, I spoke with a lady who... Uh, recently diagnosed, unfortunately, with a serious uh, medical condition. She was going to get treatment for it. And uh, she got a doctor's note uh, from, uh, from, well, from a doctor uh, telling her employer that she's going to need to be off for at least 60 days and potentially more. Uh, perfectly fine, exactly what she should have gotten. Uh, and gave it to her employer. And the employer says, well, wait a second. Not so fast. For us to approve this, I say approve in quotation marks, we're going to need your entire medical file. We need to, to, to our company doctor to review that to see that they agree with it and once you've given us that that's when we can tell you if we approve or not approve this leave of absence 
So she was kind of very upset about that. It was a very personal medical condition. She didn't feel like disclosing what it was. So she called me wanting to know what, what are her rights. So you've heard me talk about this on the show before, but this is so, so important to remember. Her employer does not have a right to demand to know what her medical condition is. They don't have a right to demand her medical file. Absolutely not. The only thing they're, they're, they can ask is, can you work and can you not and for how long? That's mm. what the doctor's notice for. It doesn't matter if you're suffering from this condition or that condition. And it's not up to them to approve the medical leave. Once the doctor gives that doctor's note, they have to give it. There's no uh, choice here. There's no options. So this employer overreach and it's not legal. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to write them a very uh, nice letter saying, you can't do this. Let's all kind of settle down and let her uh, take her medical leave and, and they'll back off because they have to. So it's an important reminder there that you need that doctor's note, but you do not need to tell your employer what your medical condition is. They can't demand you see another doctor, get another opinion, disclose your personal medical information. That is personal, that is private, and it's not something the employer can demand. As you say, prognosis, not diagnosis. They can't go that far, can they? You got it. Prognosis, yeah. they can ask you how long you'll be off, what accommodation you need, not diagnosis. That is off limits. You bet, and welcome back to all our uh, good listeners in Alberta and BC. We welcome you to the show. You got uh, lots of time here still to call in and ask your questions if something's uh, bothering you or just a plain old simple question for someone else you've had about uh, your work life. Bring it on. Uh, toll free, 1-877-399-9898. We'll get to those calls and into our topic as well. Things employees should never do without reaching out to Lior first. Help at employmentlawyer.ca anytime you want to do that and one 855 5,900. First, though, always get to our callers. Jerry, thanks for uh, standing by for a couple of minutes, pal. What's uh, what's on your mind today? Hey, so a little while back, I was working out at the plant in Fort McMurray, and it was coming up to Christmas, and then layoffs were coming around. And then I got offered to go cover the co-op strike in Saskatchewan as a foreman. And then last minute, they pulled the pin on that, and they said I wasn't qualified, and they gave the position to someone else, and then I was left looking for work. Uh, Jerry, are you part of a union? No, this is non-union. Okay, so you were left looking for work in that you lost your job, or were you? Yeah. Did you ever return uh, there? No, I never returned there. I got terminated. Okay, and how long did you work there for? Uh, I was about six months. Okay, and what did they pay you, or did they pay you anything by way of severance? No, they didn't. It was just so- a layoff in the end. Okay, so they owe you severance. So the issue is not so much the fact that they didn't give you that job in, in Saskatchewan. Uh, ultimately, they can decide who to let go and who not to. It's a question of the severance that you are owed. And so you worked there for six months. What kind of a job, Jerry, and how old are you? Electrician, and I'm 34. So you're looking at right around three to four months of severance. That's what should be owed for you. And this was about a year ago, you said? Uh, no, it was about... Three years back. Okay. So unfortunately, you're out of time now to do anything about it. They, they, they w- would have owed you three to four months of severance. And, you know, this is not something that would have been difficult to resolve. It would have taken just a letter from me. But unfortunately, Jerry, because it's now been more than two years, the limitation period has expired and, and we can't go back on it. But it's certainly something for important for you and certainly for our listeners to know 
if they find themselves in that situation that they have to act quickly to get that severance. All right. That's a good learning tool. Thank you. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate your time. And as always, moving forward, you need a, a number to call. We got it for you to reach out to Lior and his team there. one 821 5900 But just like Jerry, you got lots of time. That's how quick you get answers and learn something on this show every week by calling toll-free 1-877-399-9898. Okay. Things employees should never do without calling Lior first. Some of these will come as a major surprise. Some of them seem obvious, but obviously they're not because we're still talking about them here today. Number one is contact the government for advice if you've been let go. Big one there. Big one there and probably one that, that bothers me to no end. And, <laughs> and so here's how this all plays out. The government cannot advise or help you when it comes to losing your job. They cannot help you enforce your full termination entitlements. So you hear me talk about severance on the show. I tell someone, you know, you're owed three months or six months or 24 months of severance. The government can only help you get your minimum entitlements. For many people, that's going to be a week or two weeks pay, uh, and, and, and that's it. It's not going to be much. So that's all the government can do. Because your full entitlements are, are not part of a legislation. It's part of our common law. So when you call the government and you ask them a question, I lost my job, how much am I owed? Unfortunately, the information, the answer they give you is wrong, or at least it's, com- it's incomplete. Here's an example. You can try it yourself if you don't believe me. Call the government and say, I've worked for this company for a year. They just let me go. How much am I owed? They'll tell you two weeks. Okay. Uh, and is that right? It's wrong. Again, mm-hmm. depending on your age or position, the answer could be six months. It could even be more than that. And that's why you cannot go to the government when it comes to losing your job. And the, the unfortunate thing is that when the government tells you, well, you're owed a week pay or two weeks pay, you're going to assume it's correct because it's the government telling you. So you'll end up accepting a completely inadequate severance offer from your employer, not knowing any better. And this happens every single day which is why this bothers me to no end so now you've listened to the show you know better when it comes to losing your job you have to speak with an employment lawyer and i've said this before and i'll say it now if you don't like me that's okay speak to another employment lawyer but you what you can't do is go to the government you absolutely can and should go to the government if you have an overtime issue a vacation pay issue a statutory holiday issue it can help you there and it's no not an issue whatsoever not when it comes to losing your job. For that, as I said, you have to speak to an employment lawyer like myself. Does it make a difference if I've gone to the government and opened up a file with them because of a severance matter? Well, you know, we can still get out of it if you've, you've filed a, a complaint with the, with the government, but don't do that. It's a waste of time, yeah. and you may find that the limitation period has expired, like with our previous caller. So you, And again, they can't help you other than get your minimum entitlement. So a complete and utter waste of time. You bet. Again, one 9898 to ask more about these uh, points that we're going through. Or otherwise, you still got lots of time. Things employees should never do without calling Lior first. Oh, this one, last couple of years, I'm telling you, in a temporary layoff situation, sit home and wait to be called back to work doing nothing. Johnny, uh, the majority of people, uh, it's certainly the majority of people that I know, at some point over the last two and a half years, had to deal with a temporary layoff, right? Because mm-hmm. it's the pandemic caused a lot of employers to do that. And a lot of people believe that because of that, it's legal. Well, it wasn't legal during the pandemic. It's not legal now. An employer does not have a right to lay you off temporarily. You, the employee, can treat that as a termination. 
But here's why I say you shouldn't just sit and wait for the employer to call you back. You may think, okay, well, yeah, maybe they're not allowed to do it, but fine, I'll be the good soldier. I'll sit at home and hopefully they'll call me back to work. Well, if you sit at home and wait, well, they may never call you back, so you may have waited for nothing. But yeah. what happens if they do call you back and you in the studio, you go back to work? Well, by going back to work, by accepting this layoff, you've now given the company the right to do it again. And that's the problem. Because now if they lay you off five times a year like that, you won't be able to do anything about it because you let it happen that first time. That's why I say when when you're laid off temporarily, it's not a good idea to just sit at home and wait and go back to work when called back unless you want a, this temporary layoff to become a regular term of your employment. You may be better off to say, I'm not accepting this. This has happened now. I'm just going to treat this as a termination, get my severance and move on to somewhere else because I don't want this to be a regular thing. So certainly if you're on a layoff, let's talk before you accept, before you do anything, before you go back to work, talk to me. Let's talk about your options. Let's talk about everything that you're owed so that you can make an informed decision. I'm very concerned about opening the door and giving your employer rights that they wouldn't otherwise have. You know, we, we laughed about this earlier today on another radio show. And just to put it into perspective, I mean, it's, you know, as you've often said, when you walk into work and your boss says, hey, today's the day you're getting a 50% pay cut. You're like, no, I'm not going to accept that. Well, well, then why would you accept 100% from a temporary layoff? That's really what it boils down to, right? Yeah. And, and you know, em- employers, like I was saying earlier to, to, to you, and if you told an employer, by the way, you, you, you know, employer, you can't reduce someone's pay by 50%. Most employers say, yeah, we get that. That, that obviously mm-hmm. is wrong. So why would an employer think that they can reduce it? Forget about 50%, 60%, 70%, 100%. Obviously, that's not legal. That's why yeah. a temporary layoff is not something your employer can do. Uh, and it gives you the employee rights. And one of those rights is to say, no, you've breached the terms of employment. You've constructively dismissed me. Now severance has to be paid. Can you write to them or have something uh, drafted up saying, I'll do it for you this one time because I'm a nice guy and I like working here, but never again am I allowing you to do this? You know, it's if you're desperate to continue working, John, I would do that, but I'm still not feeling too good about that, okay? So because your employer may still say, well, you know, we never agreed to that. So that's a problem later on. The safest approach, if you don't want it to be a term of employment, is to say constructive dismissal. And then you don't have to ever worry about being put in that situation again. And welcome back to it. Thanks for hanging in there. Still plenty of time for you to uh, to reach out, chime in with your comments or your questions for Lior. If anything we're talking about over the last uh, 40, 34 minutes or so has piqued your interest, feel free to keep tuning in and ask some questions, right? Toll free, 1-877-399-9898. After the show, it's help at employmentlawyer.ca. Lior Sanfiru, of course, co-founding partner, Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in this country. We are talking about today, again, always an important topic, but this one is things employees should never do without consulting or at least calling Lior first. You want to call him or email. And that is, this one is, again, a big one. Sign a new employment agreement, especially Lior, if you're already employed. How does that work? And why would that work? So, John, if you're working, you've already worked for this employer, you're not a brand new employee, and your employer comes to you and wants you to sign a new employment agreement, be concerned, be worried, be very, very alert to what's in that document. And don't make the the major mistake of just looking at what the salary is, vacation, because there are terms I can guarantee you that are going to be a lot more problematic than whether you have three or four weeks vacation. There are terms that can cost you tens of thousands of dollars. 
an employer that offers you a new employment agreement is doing so because they realize that they can have things in that agreement that are better for them that they don't otherwise have. For example, they can have a termination clause that limits your future severance. And that can mean in the future the difference between getting four-week severance and getting 18-month severance. It can cost you an unbelievably high amount of money. There could be a term in there that allows the company to change your job, your duties, your compensation, your hours of work, your work location. There could be a term that allows the company to put you on a temporary layoff. Remember, Mm -hmm. we said that it's not legal. Well, it becomes legal if you sign something that says that it is. It could be a term there that prevents you from working for a competitor for two years if you ever leave your job. And the list goes on. And the only reason you've been going to be presented with an agreement like that is to for the employer to take advantage of terms like that, to get those terms that they didn't otherwise have. So if you're presented with an agreement like that, remember, you can't be penalized. You can't be punished for saying, no, I'm not going to sign this. And if you want to be completely sure, should you sign it? Should you not? Is it good? Is it bad? Send me a copy. Let me take a look at it. I'll review it and I'll tell you, yes, it's a problem. You shouldn't sign or no, you know what? This one's fine. Go ahead and sign it. But every single time you're presented with that offer, be very concerned. It's not coincidence. It's not because they just want a new piece of paper uh, in the file. There's a reason for it, and it's not a good one. How about a situation? Maybe you haven't been there for years. Maybe you're just starting a new job, and it's uh, you know Monday morning. You walk through the door. You start working, and then by break time, you know your manager comes down and says, "Oh, we uh, we forgot to get you to sign this uh, before starting. You want to sign it now? It's your employment agreement." Where does that stand? So that, that and that does happen, and I've mm-hmm. personally seen that situation dozens of times over, over my career, where you sign this not before you start, but you sign it on your first day, your second day. So here's why that matters: for an employment agreement, for really for any agreement to be enforceable, there has to be some sort of a bargain. You have to give something, and you have to get something. So what happens when you first get the job? Well, you get the job, you got something, and in return. You give your agreement to your signature on that agreement. So your employer gets something, you get something. There's that exchange. But what happens if you already have the job? You've already started working. You started working yesterday. Well, if you sign that agreement, you're not getting anything in return. You have the job already. So Hmm. that agreement is actually not enforceable. You may have signed it uh, during your lunch break on your first day or on your second day or your second week. At that point, unless you've gotten something new in return for signing, it's not enforceable. And that could be a very good thing because remember, for employees, having a written employment agreement is not a good thing. For an employer, yes, yeah, it's a great thing, maybe the best thing. For an employee, it's not. So you'd rather not have that agreement either exist or be enforceable. So be mindful of that. If your employer now says, no, no, we're going to rely on this agreement that you signed, take a look at it. Did you sign it before you started working? Did you sign it after? Is it enforceable? Is it not? Happy to take a look at it and let you know. That's an interesting point, too. I bet that just right there, that would make a lot of people skittish saying, hey, the guy beside me, he got a 10-page document. He feels secure. I got nothing. I started on a handshake. I feel naked. It should be the other way around, right? And, and you know, it makes sense if you think about it. You know, I want to have that that, that long document because I, I just feel more secure having it. They signed it. I signed it. No. Right. I understand exactly why you think that way. But for an employee, the opposite is true. You would rather start working and, and continue working on a handshake. You'd rather have a, a little email confirming you're starting Monday and you're getting paid 60000 whatever it is. 
what you don't want and what you should be concerned about is having that page a uh, 10 page document because i can guarantee you in that paint uh, 10 page document there are going to be a lot of terms that are not good for you not favorable so less is more when it comes to employment agreements Still time to call in toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. Get on air, talk to us, ask your questions. This is the opportunity for you uh, for you to do that. And in between that, we're talking about things employees should never do without calling Lior first. By the way, you're wondering, what's that number? 1-855-821-5900. And this one, I love talking about this, and that is make assumptions about your status as an independent contractor. Why does that matter? So in the next uh, few weeks, you and I will do a, a whole show just dedicated to this topic. Big but time. John, yep. this is a very common issue. Most people that believe that they're employ- uh, independent contractors are really employees that have been misclassified. It doesn't matter what documents you sign. doesn't matter how you pay your taxes. doesn't matter what the company that you work for says that you are. If you have a regular job, you are an employee. You're not a contractor, and it doesn't matter. And, you know, in terms of making assumptions, I see this all the time. Someone that thought that they were an independent contractor, they're assuming that they lost their job. They don't get paid severance and they're assuming they're not owed anything because, Mm -hmm. well, I'm an independent contractor. So they walk away and forget about it, where in fact, because they've been misclassified, they're owed severance. And that could be as much as two years pay time and time and time again. I've seen this. I've done this. I've resolved these issues. So don't ever assume you're an independent contractor. Chances are you've been misclassified. If you want to know for sure, you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We have a tool there that allows you to find out if you're an independent contractor or an employee, or you can call me. Either way, please don't assume that you are an independent contractor. Even without knowing your specific situation, there's a really good likelihood that you're an employee. Lots more to chat about in this topic, but I want to get to a phone call in between that. We'll get to Beth, who's been hanging on for a moment. Beth, thank you so much for taking the uh, the time today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you guys? Excellent. So glad you called in and took the time. What's your question? So I'm an HR for a company, and I've discovered by way of scuttlebutt that an employee of mine who's on Compo is actually working. Oh, Doing the same okay. job for a different company. But still collecting her compo. What does that hate to be the tattletale? But <laughs> what does that do for the employer? Because since I know the employer is going to have to know, right? That's my job to tell them. So what? Yeah, what does that? What happens then? So obviously, this is an. I mean, assuming this is true, what you found out, this is an employee that number one is breaking the law because they're they're getting compensation that they're not owed, but they're also lying right. to to you to your company. Yeah, uh, by being paying offered, as well, right? With the compo. Yes. Oh, absolutely, you are a hundred percent. So, so it's illegal. And what would happen here is once you tell the company, assuming that it's verified, that they're going to be I, in a position. I, my understanding is it has been. Yeah. Okay. So they're going to be in a position to terminate employment for cause, okay? Okay. Uh, which means that no payment is going to be owed. And, okay. uh, you know, once the government finds out about concern. that, they're going to go after this person for, for payment that they've, uh, that they've improperly paid. There could be other okay. charges as well. That's a big deal to lie in that type of a situation. But <laughs> no, that was my concern. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> It, well, it is, it is a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, and, and certainly the government is going to do something about it. They have a whole process right. to, to recover this type of uh, you know, a payment that was inappropriately made. 
Uh, and like I said, your employer, the employer that you work for, is certainly going to be in a position to terminate for cause without any compensation. Okay. So now let's just say he um, decides, look, I just don't want to get involved. And she gets caught. My concern and what I, what I, would, what I think would be my advice is that then he is also kind of an accessory, isn't he? It is. If yeah, he absolutely. doesn't do anything? Yes, 100%. There, there is an, a legal obligation to advise of this type okay. of a fraud. Okay. So, I okay. mean, my advice always is going to be, yeah, you got to be come forward. You got to be honest. You got to okay. do the right thing here. Uh, th- that's always going to be my advice here. Okay, perfect. I will be happy to take the hit and I will do the dirty deed for him. Ah, Beth, you're Good awesome. We appreciate your uh, appreciate the time okay. of the phone call today. Good stuff. Thank appreciate you for that. your answer. Back to our topic for the day. I'm loving this. All these things are really important for you to uh, to remember. And if uh, you need to, you can phone Leor afterwards to uh, to reiterate one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And we're talking about things employees should never do without calling Leor first. This one is a big bull of wrong, and that is sign a severance letter. No, no, no. Put down the pen. Don't do it. Okay, this this is one where there's no exceptions. I forbid yeah. you to <laughs> sign a severance letter without getting legal advice first, okay? And, and I feel so strongly that if you say, you know, I just don't like Cleora, I don't like the sound of his voice, call me anyway and I'll give you the number to someone else. That's how strongly I feel that you should never, under any circumstances, doesn't matter who you are, what the company you work for is, you should never sign a severance offer. In almost every situation, well over 90% of situations, that severance offer that uh, you've been made is inadequate. It is inadequate. It's, it's usually inadequate to the tune of many months. So the problem, of course, is that if you sign it and then you realize, you know, an hour later even, oh, wait a second, I made a mistake. They owed me much more. You're done. You're too late. And every single week, John, I speak with people that want my help because they realize they made a mistake in signing that severance letter and I can't help them. So every severance letter also has a deadline, right? So your employer wants you to accept it by Friday and you're going to feel that pressure. You're going to feel the pressure to sign it because you don't want to miss out. Who wants to miss out on severance when they lost your job? You need that money to pay the bills. You need that money to carry you until you find another job. Well, despite that, ignore that deadline. Your legal rights do not expire Friday at 5. In fact, your legal rights do not expire for two whole years. Now, I'm not saying you wait two years. I'm not even saying you wait two weeks. But if you're getting that severance offer, whatever that deadline is, it's meaningless. It's a pressure tactic. It's designed to make you scared so that you sign it, not questioning it, not understanding that you're owed more. So if you lose your job, a good place to start to understand how much you're actually owed is to use our severance calculator. You find that at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, it's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. In seconds and anonymously and free, you'll find out a good and accurate estimate of how much you're owed. You can compare that with what you've been offered. See that what I'm saying is correct, that it's not adequate. Or you call me. Please, please don't make that mistake of signing that offer and then realizing, wait a second, they offered me three months, I accepted it, now I'm finding out I was owed 12 months. Happens all the time. Please, please don't let it happen to you. Yeah, and if you're wondering if everybody's even bothered to check that severance calculator, Lior, is it really useful? Yeah, 2 million plus people, said 2 million people have gone through that severance calculator and uh, been enlightened. Want to get a phone call in between here, our last few minutes of the show. Pat, thanks for hanging on for a moment. How are you today? Yes, it's a lovely day. Um, 
but I have a question for you. What allowances are you making for the loss of so many um, 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 jobs in Canada because their employers would not accept them because they would not take the vaccine and they had uh-huh. to walk. This is why we have a an employment shortage. And I, I, you know, uh, I've got uh, six pages of of doctors. Half of them I've drummed up myself, and the other half from a Christian network. Um, including the America's frontline doctors, that this vaccine was deadly. Many people developed neurological illnesses. Do you do you cover that uh, sicknesses? Many died needlessly, and we're not getting the true uh, facts on on our uh, Marxist media in Canada. <laughs> So, uh, listen, Pat, a lot of what you said there I disagree with. I don't agree that there's Marxist media. I also don't agree that the vaccine is deadly by any stretch. But here's what I can tell you. We represent hundreds of people uh, throughout Canada that were let go because of their vaccine status. And the reason for that is that if you are let go because of your vaccine status, you are owed severance. It's not something a company can do without compensation. We're resolving these cases every single day. And, and, you know, something we've talked about at length on the show, that if you lost your job because of your vaccine status, yes, you are owed severance. Even if you haven't lost your job, if you're put on an unpaid leave of absence, you are mm-hmm. owed severance. So uh, if, if you and anyone in your, uh, your family, your network of friends lost their jobs, they have to get advice because, yes, despite what the employer may say, severance is going to be owed. Pat, appreciate your time. And moving forward, one 399 We'll get to uh, Terrence now. Terrence, thank you for getting in line, pal. How are you today? Hi, hey, how are you doing? Good, man. What's up? What's your question? Hey, a quick question. So I worked for a company for 18 years, and then I got promoted, and I hate my new job, and I ended up you know, quitting after about six months. So my question is, do I still owe severance? for the 18 years that I spent at a company or not because I quit on my own? So it's a good question, Terrence. The answer is that you're not owed severance if you quit voluntarily. You would be owed severance if they put you in a situation where you didn't have a choice but to quit. They they treated you badly. They didn't pay you properly. Uh, you know, you were harassed or bullied. If th- that was your situation and that's why you quit, then absolutely severance is owed. But if you quit because you realize, you know what, I don't like this job, I'd rather go somewhere else and take another job, then unfortunately in that situation, uh, severance would not be owed. Right. So that's what it's called constructive dismissal, right? Constructive dismissal is when you quit for essentially for a good reason because something happened that the employer did. That is a constructive dismissal. But again, it's not a constructive dismissal if you're doing it voluntarily just as, as a personal preference. Right. I understand all right, awesome. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Terrence. Appreciate uh, your time as well. You need to uh, chat afterwards any other time, one 821 5900 But uh, get back into a few of these before we uh, we wrap it up. Lior talking about things employees should never do without calling Lior first. So important. And that is accept changes to the terms of your employment. That's a pretty wide-sweeping one, too. Yeah, and, and you know, an employer does not have uh, the right to make significant changes to terms of employment. And if they do, that gives rise, as I was saying before to Terrence, to constructive dismissal. Constructive dismissal will be a situation where something has changed. They reduce your pay. They change your shift hours. They demoted you. That gives you a right to treat that as a constructive dismissal. So 
you don't have to, right? If, if you have that option to treat it as a constructive dismissal, the other option is to accept the change and just continue working. But here's where you don't want to do that, at least without speaking to me first. If you just accept this change, then guess what you've just done? Well, you should know what you've done is you've given the company the right to do it again. Give you a classic example. Let's say you're they reduce your pay. And you're saying, ah, gosh, I don't like this. Who would, obviously? And yeah. But I'm going to be the good soldier. I'm going to continue working. I don't want to really cause too much trouble. Let's just continue working and, and be done with this. That's fine and that's admirable. The problem here is that by accepting this pay cut, you've given them the right to do it again. And next month when they cut it again and the month after that when they cut it even more, there's not going to be anything you can do about it because you let it happen that first time. So if there's changes to the terms of your employment, the same thing would happen, by the way, with changing in hours. They change your shift. You accept that they could do it again. So with those changes, you may be better off to say constructive dismissal. But the bottom line is if you, there's changes are there, let's talk about it, okay? There may be ways we can deal with it uh, to avoid this situation from happening. Always happy to chat. And always happy to chat here on a weekly basis as well. We appreciate all your time uh, here giving us a call or emailing or doing otherwise. If we didn't get to your email, we'll get to it on a, a future show. Now that we are done for the day, though, you can reach out to Lior anytime and discuss your matter uh, in private. one 821 5900 Email will go to is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And Lior did mention it a couple times during the show pocketemploymentlawyer.ca there's all kinds of topics having to do with your work life on that website and right in between all that is as we mentioned the severance calculator that will give you a very accurate number as to how much severance you would be owed if it came down to you losing your job takes about 30 seconds to go through it completely anonymous so give that a try as well again pocketemploymentlawyer.ca appreciate your time we'll catch you next time next week on the employment law show